morning, church. So good to be with you. Man, I'm excited. Today we start a brand new five-week sermon series entitled, What If? And today's message is entitled, What If God Can Use Me? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Sometimes I like to ask myself that question and I just start to dream. I start to dream big. What if God can use me? What if God can use me to make a difference? What if God can use me to make a difference in my workplace, in my church, in my home, in my community? What if God can use me? Then invariably it always happens. I start to question myself. And I start to think that I'm junk, that I'm no good, that how could God use someone like me? It's at these times that I, that I like to get encouragement from the Bible. You see, even some of our greatest heroes of the faith, heroes like Moses and Abraham and Elijah, even our greatest heroes of the faith suffered from negative self-thoughts and negative self-doubts. One of my favorite heroes His name is Gideon. We all know him as this mighty warrior for God. It's hard to believe. But even Gideon had these negative, self-defeating thoughts. Gideon's story is found in the book of Judges. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Judges chapter 6. And it's in the beginning of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The sixth book of the Bible is Joshua. And then the seventh book of the Bible is Judges. Judges chapter 6. And while you're going there, let me just set up the scene for you. Imagine this scenario with me. Imagine that you have a garden. And that you work really hard all spring and all summer to ensure that the garden produces abundantly. I mean, you put a lot of effort into it. You till the ground, you plant, you water, you weed, you fertilize. And then, just about when it's ready to harvest your crop, your Japanese neighbor across the street comes over and takes all of your avocados. Your Filipino neighbor, two doors down, makes off with all of your papayas. And then your Chinese neighbor that lives right next to you, he comes into your garden and shanghais all of your string beans. And then your Caucasian neighbor that lives right behind you comes into your garden and takes all of your tomatoes. And then Brambagonia, while you're sleeping at night, he comes, comes into your garden And he cockroaches all of your onolicious mangoes. And then Major Lum, he jumps over your fence. And he gets into your garden. And he helps himself to all of your plump and juicy lychee. And this happens year after year. If you can imagine that scenario with me. 
but on a much bigger, a much grander scale, then you'll have an idea of what the people of God, the Israelites, had to suffer every harvest time when the Midianites would come down and raid their crops. You see, the people of God, the Israelites, would work really hard, to work the land really hard in hopes of an abundant crop. And they would put a lot of effort into raising their cattle, their sheep, and their oxen. But every year, just about harvest time, their enemies, the Midianites, would come down and ravage the land by force. They would destroy the crops. They would take all of the cattle, all of the oxen, and oxen, and all of the sheep, and they would leave the people of God with nothing to eat and in poverty and in deep starvation. Listen to what Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 6 says. It says this. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. So these annual raids by the Midianites are taking a toll on the Israelites, the people of God. And so the people of God start to cry out to the Lord for help. Listen to what verse 7 says next. says this. It says, when the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. Then listen carefully here. It says this, but you have not listened to me. But you have not listened to me. There's a powerful phrase that we use all the time. And it's this phrase, see, I told you. Try it with me. In fact, let's try it together. And and do it like like, with some gusto, like you really mean it, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. See, I told you. Good job. Your spouse is about to do something foolish. And so you stop your spouse and you say, and you tell her, don't do it. Because you know what will happen if she does it. But she doesn't listen to you. And instead she goes and does it. And then she gets herself into trouble. And then we all say, see, I told you. Your kids stay up late at night watching TV or playing video games. You politely suggest that maybe they go to sleep, but they don't listen to you. And the next morning, they have a hard time getting up, and they're grumpy, and they're tired. And we all say, see, I told you. Your coworker, every time you guys go out to eat lunch, your coworker always orders this Korean barbecue mixed plate special. And you politely suggest that maybe they order a mini plate instead. 
but they don't listen to you. And then six months later, your coworker complains that his pants are too tight. And we all say, see, I told you. It sounds like what the people of God are going through right now. You see, God delivers the people of God delivers his people from Egypt. And then God says to them, don't worship any of the other gods. But they don't listen. And so now their lives are miserable because of the Midianites. And so God sends a prophet to say, and let's say it one more time, see, I told you. But the good news is this. This sets in motion God's plan to rescue God's people from the Midianites. Let's read on. Verse 12 says this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So God chooses a guy named Gideon to carry out his plan to rescue God's people from the Midianites. Now let me ask you this question. When you start a new job, don't you try your hardest on your first day to make a good first impression? Well, apparently, Gideon didn't get the memo. In, in fact, Gideon starts to complain on his first day of the job, he's complaining and he's blaming God. Listen to what Gideon says in verse 13. He says this. He says, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. And put us into the hand of Midian. Is Gideon out of his mind? <laughs> on his first day on the job, instead of trying to make a good first impression, he complains and he blames God. And truth be told, we're probably not too different from Gideon, are we? You see, sometimes we are a forgetful people. When tough times come, one of the most fundamental things that we forget is that God cares about you and I. I mean, it's easy to recognize God's care and concern when things are going well in your life. When you sense God's pleasure. When you see God's blessing. But it's much harder to recognize God's care and concern when you're going through some miserable stuff in your life. And like the Israelites, maybe some of you are going through some really difficult and challenging circumstances in your life. And at this moment, it's kind of hard to believe that God cares about you and I. Well, you're not alone. Even Gideon failed to recognize God's care and concern. And like Gideon, the challenge for us 
is to stand on God's promises. Promises like 1 Peter 5.7, which says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Like Gideon, the challenge for us is to know that God cares about you even in the tough times. Even when it feels like God is not present. Even when you feel abandoned and all alone. Even when you feel broken and in pain. Even when it feels like life is unfair and life is too hard. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. So we saw Gideon complain on his first day on the job. He questions and blames God. Then listen to God's response in verse 14. God's response is this. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So God says to Gideon, You're my man. I'm going to use you. Now, check out Gideon's response. Verse 15. But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in all Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Gideon says, Nah, not me. I think you got the wrong dude, Gideon says. Gideon's response sometimes sounds like our response, doesn't it? Often we say, nah, not me. I have nothing to offer God. I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm uneducated. Nah, if you knew my past, if you knew what I've done, you'd know that God couldn't use someone like me. I love going to graduations. I love looking into the eyes of graduates. They're so bright. Their eyes just glow with enthusiasm. Their, their eyes just, just communicate this passion and this fire and this zeal and, the, and this I'm going to conquer the world attitude. Man, I remember that feeling when I graduated from high school and from college. Then as the years roll by, for many of us, life happens. And that glow in our eyes start to diminish. And life has a way of beating us down. Sometimes it's marriage difficulties. Sometimes it's those tough days of being a parent. Sometimes it's the loss of a job. Sometimes it's struggling to make ends meet and put, to put food on the table. Sometimes it's fear and depression and anxiety and worry. Whatever it is, sometimes life happens 
and that passion and that fire and that hunger start, slowly starts to fade away. And then we can relate to Gideon's response, can't we? When Gideon said, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in all Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. I'm junk. I'm no good. Why would God want to use someone like me? Then listen to God's response in verse 16. God says this. The Lord answered to Gideon, I will be with you. Would you underline that in your Bibles? I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. Isn't that a comforting statement? I mean, Gideon complains and he questions God's care and concern. On the first day of the job, he does this. And, that, and though Gideon questions if, and doubts if he is the right person for the job, saying, nah, not me. I don't have anything to offer God. Yet, God doesn't change his mind. Gideon is still God's choice. And I hope you read the rest of this amazing story at home. And if you do, you'll find out that God uses Gideon in an amazing way to rescue God's people from the Midianites. But like Gideon, sometimes we complain and we question God. Like Gideon, sometimes we say, nah, not me. Why would God want to use someone like me? Yet, Gideon was God's choice. What if you are God's choice? What if God wants to use you? What if God wants to use you to make a difference? To make a difference in your sphere of influence, in your corner of the world? In a moment, I want to show you a video clip. How many of you watched the TV show Master Chef? Oh, a few of you. Wow, great. Master Chef is a pretty entertaining show, isn't it? Uh, it stars uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay. And it's a cooking show. And contestants, week after week, have to impress the judges with their cooking in order to move on to the next round of competition. At the last, uh, at the last day of uh, competition, the, the one person that's standing at the end of the show is crowned with this coveted title of Master Chef. In season three of Master Chef, there was a contestant. Her name is Christine Ha. She looks like any other contestant except for one thing. She is blind. And so she has to do all her cooking through taste and touch and smell. Take a look at this. The judges have tasted six of the seven apple pies made for this pressure test. 
Christine has the last pie to be tasted before the judges decide who will be sent home. How are you, Christine? I'm all right, Chef. Okay, first of all, I've never seen you that flustered. And then, with barely 18 minutes to go, you still were not in the oven with your apple pie. What the hell is going on? Honestly, Chef, there's just no excuse. I just was flustered and I just, I'm not experienced with making pie at all, so there's just really no excuse. What do you think this pie looks like? I think it probably looks like a pile of rubbish. Visually, it looks stunning. It's got a nice crisp, dark brown color on the edge. Thank you, Chef. The sugar has almost glazed the pastry, and it looks as delicious as Frank's. So stop doubting yourself. Be bold. Okay. Pie underneath. The pastry looks cooked. Can you hear that on top? Yes, Chef. What does that sound like to you? It sounds good and crusty. Good and crusty. So, stop feeling upset with yourself. Okay? You've got to start believing yourself more. Okay? Come on. Come on. Right. Hear that? Yes, Chef. There's not a soggy patch on there. That's all the way around. Okay? Can you hear that? On the balcony, you can hear that, right? Yes, yes, yes Chef. And it's intact right in front of your very eyes. I have a wedge. Oh, thank God. Of a beautiful apple pie. And the flavor? The flavor's amazing. Okay? It's delicious. So well done. Okay? Congratulations. Really good job. The enemy would have you believe that you are junk, that everything you touch turns into a pile of rubbish. The enemy would have you believe that you are a loser, that you can't do anything right. Don't buy into the lie. By the way, Christine Ha, that blind chef, she went on to become the master chef of season three. Perhaps God is saying to you this morning, stop doubting yourself. Be bold. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Start believing in yourself more. You see, God knows that he doesn't have any perfect people to work with. All of God's people are broken and are being restored by his grace. And God can use whoever he wants, and God can use you. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. You are a child of God. You are a person of value and worth. 
You are beautiful. You are intelligent. You are a good person. You have a good heart. You have gifts and talents and abilities and skills. You have a calling. You have a destiny. There is a reason that you are alive. Your life is significant. Believe that God can use you. Amen.